0: episode five of the partner's desk and today we have another guest tied to the University of Missouri actually that makes three in a row uh, Tim Barnes Kim Anderson and then you I did not plan that Wow at all. Tim
1: and coach a beat yeah. me to the punch huh
0: yeah well you know like come around a little bit more often well they
1: do and they're much better looking on top of that
0: <laughs> uh today our guest is a former kim anderson assistant division two national champion current ath- assistant athletic director at mizzou and a half decent ping pong player uh welcome to the podcast brad loose
1: reed thank you uh you failed to mention my golf prowess
0: uh, yes sorry Yes. I, through your many years of playing in the chamber and Sedalia 200, I have <laughs> yet to see you actually swing a club. So I, You're better
1: off because of it.
0: <laughs> um, so for everybody who doesn't really know, I mean, for everybody who doesn't really know, you can uh, look up Brad Luce. There's a bunch of articles. He's done some podcasts and whatnot before, but um, he's really well known for uh, being part of Kim Anderson's staff at UCM and Mizzou. And then kind of the bigger one that probably everybody knows you for now uh, is your daughter uh, fought fights neuroblastema. Is that how you say ne- that? Neuroblastoma.
1: Blastoma. But good try. I like uh, it. That was a he- that was a heck of an effort.
0: Thank you. I just copied and pasted it, and <laughs> so I haven't actually like tried to put it in Google and do the pronunciation. But so she's good. on the other side of that battle now, right? We she think. is.
1: Yes, absolutely. So uh, yeah, I, uh, I coached with Kim Anderson for 15 years and uh, 12 of those in Warrensburg and then another three in Columbia. But without a doubt, going through the state of Missouri now, I am uh, better known as Ryan's dad, which I will take every day of the week. Uh, she, uh, when she was five years old, she was uh, diagnosed with stage four high risk neuroblastoma, uh, form of pediatric cancer. Uh, very deadly form of pediatric cancer. She was given, oh, just, I mean, it just depends on the variables you take into account. But at the time we were told she had anywhere from a 20 to 40% chance of survival. Uh, and those statistics played out with, uh, without a doubt. Uh, you know, she started with a big group of kids and unfortunately uh, most of them didn't make it to the other side. We were fortunate enough that Ryan did and, and now she's 11 and doing phenomenal. Um, she's done with treatment and she's had no evidence of disease for the past three and a half, almost four years. And, uh, yeah, we're she's doing phenomenal.
0: So we won't go – you've done a ton of uh, charity games, built a lot of awareness around neuroblastoma. So we won't harp on it um, too much because – It's sure, out there. Yeah, exactly. But um, – Right now, you guys also help um, raise money for uh, the uh, children's hospitals and whatnot that do treat that. Am I remembering that correctly, that a lot of the proceeds that you get actually yeah. goes to the...
1: So, yeah, what we did, we started a foundation called Rally for Ryan. And uh, essentially, we take we, we take the money and we donate it towards pediatric cancer research trials. Uh and essentially, at the end of the day, it's the hospitals that are doing the trials. So, yeah, like we, we've donated to Memorial Sloan Kettering in New York City uh, a couple of different times for different clinical trials they're doing. We've donated to Children's Hospital of Philadelphia uh, for a trial they did there. And then we've also sent money through uh, the American Cancer Society uh, and some of the clinical trials that uh, they're helping fund. And so it's kind of been spread uh, across the board, but we do want to focus on clinical research trials. And and we do that simply because the majority of the stuff that's out there right now, and not just for neuroblastoma, but across the board uh, is is older treatments. Um, Like Ryan's treatment, for example, uh, or her initial treatment was 30 years old. And she was being treated with chemotherapy drugs that were not intended for children, they were intended for adults. Uh, And because of that, uh, the long-term side effects that she's going to experience for the rest of her life um, are going to be fairly severe. And so, you know, the idea is one, not only do we want to keep these kids alive and survival rates are increasing by the day, but we want them to, when they do survive it, we want them to live a long, healthy life. And so that that's kind of what we focus on and, and where we want our money to go.
0: So do you go through, this just came to me, do you go through and see the programs and the clinical trials that they're bringing up Um at these different hospitals and select which ones you really want to go after. Do you even – you can't really get down in the weeds that much, right? Uh, I mean. No, I am a
1: former basketball coach, uh, so <laughs> I, I am not a, uh, an oncologist by any means. My wife now, she's pretty smart. She's way smarter than me. She's She basically got an oncology degree throughout this whole thing. But, Jeez. no, you, you know what we do. Uh, we don't have a uh, clinical board like a lot of uh, – uh, philanthropies like us to help us choose the clinical trials so what we've done is we've kind of latched on to some other uh, foundations uh, one in particular is a group called Band of parents out of New York um, and so we we've, we've really leaned on them and their their clinical board to help us make decisions as to what clinical trials we're going to donate to uh, one in particular one uh, we went to straight to Sloan Kettering and just said hey what do you need right you, yeah. you just saved my daughter's life how can we help? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, let me pay you back. Yeah. So uh, that, that's how we did one of them. Uh, there's another group out of Kansas City that uh, called Braden's Hope that we've leaned on uh, to help us make a couple choices. So, yeah, we, we just kind of pick and choose and, and lean on people that we trust.
0: I got you. So when we first started talking, you mentioned that you were at UCM with Kim for a while. Um, that, that is
1: that is an understatement yes. <laughs> 15 years uh, so together
0: in between those 15 years I saw that you went from assistant men's basketball coach to assistant head basketball coach what uh, what's the difference because I can't I did a bunch of research and a bunch of googling and i never nobody ever goes into detail about what the difference is between an assistant coach and assistant head coach
1: great question Okay. <laughs> That's just
0: a typo in LinkedIn.
1: <laughs> no, that, that is a uh, – uh, that is a uh, we don't have any more money to give you, but we're going to give you a really cool business card that makes there you feel go. uber important.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Gets everybody else who's looking for assistant coaches. Like, no, this is assistant head coach right here. Dude. No, so,
1: yeah, what, what it really means is uh, when you're an assistant coach uh, and things go wrong, the head coach – doesn't really throw you under the bus, but when you become associate head coach mm. now well now it's your fault.
0: Ah, yes.
1: So I'm really hoping Coach A doesn't i li- I'm skin really skin hoping blood. Coach A doesn't listen to this. <laughs> by the way. It's gonna be sitting on his boat in the lake of the Ozarks like that dang loose. <laughs> oh
0: <laughs> so but the thing is most coaches, whether it's football, basketball, any college sport, are looking for the next job. And to be there for 12 years, I mean, I'm sure you've gotten other offers. I'm sure you've gotten other opportunities. What was so special about that UCM group that you wanted to ride the wave with?
1: Well, you know what? Uh, One coach, obviously, Mm -hmm. um, you know, getting the opportunity to be with him, and uh, he gave me all the freedom in the world, right? I mean, he just basically said, hey, go do your thing, and, uh, you know, we'll reconvene at the end of the day and let me know what just happened. Uh, so that that was part of it. Uh, the other part of it was that the only jobs that I really went after were really, really good jobs that other guys with more experience wanted. And so when I would go after a job like that, uh, typically I was a little underqualified and didn't get it, to be honest with you. And the reason I only went after really good jobs is because Warrensburg was really hard to leave. Uh, UCM is a phenomenal spot. Uh, it's better than most Division I uh, spots. And so... To leave there was going to have to be something really, really good, and the really, really good jobs that I wanted uh, just didn't pan out, to be honest with you. So that's why uh, Coach was stuck with me for as long as he was.
0: So he said uh, a couple weeks ago when we were talking that throughout the UCM years, um, basically every single year, he felt extremely confident that they were going to win 25 games they didn't really know which ones exactly is that the feeling that you got every year going in that you've got such a talented talented bunch that you guys were going to win 25 he just
1: flat out lied to you is what he did <laughs> that no no that is not how this went down every year he would go into the season not thinking we were going to win a game and he, I remember every year he would always asked me before the year loose how many games you think we're going to win and I'd look at the schedule I said coach we're playing 32 of them so I got us 32 and 0 yeah and he'd be like ah oh, you're crazy yeah oh, we're we're not gonna win a game <laughs> um I, I still to this day think that you know we were on that last year at UCM we won a national championship I still think he was convinced that we were a horrible team going into the final four <laughs> I think we we got into about the second half of the championship game and he said you know what I think we're all right I think we're pretty good <laughs> no uh yeah I, I always felt good about our talent uh, some years better than others. Uh, but, uh, you know, every coach is pessimistic at heart, I think, and uh, always sees the, the flaws in your team and worries, you know, are we ever going to win a game again? And, and I was no different. Um, you know, I I was I was always a, uh, you know, every season, are, are we going to win a game type of guy.
0: So how does somebody from Clarksville, right? Mm-hmm. How does somebody from Clarksville find a guy like Kim Anderson? Where does that – how does that connection happen?
1: A guy named Kim Libby's his name. Uh, so there's a he was a high school coach, longtime high school coach in St. Louis. He ha- just happened to be my dad's former assistant coach when my dad was a high school coach in St. Louis at Melville High School. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I had grown up knowing Coach Libby, just a family friend. And then so Coach Libby every summer would come to Mizzou and work summer camps here, and uh, that's how Coach got to know him. And so when Coach went to UCM. Coach Libby called him up and said, hey, uh, Dave Luce's son, and Coach knew him. My, da- my dad and coach knew each other, but today hey, Dave Luce's son is uh, just getting out of college. He's looking for a job. Um, so coach, we connected and uh, coach had somebody else in mind for his job. I had another job in uh, South Carolina, as a matter of fact, that I thought I was going to get. Well, luckily for me, his job fell through. My job fell through. And next thing you know, uh i'm living in i'm looking at well, first i was looking on a map say okay now where is warrensburg missouri <laughs> yeah. how the heck do you get to warrensburg and uh you know I can, I can still to this day remember driving down i-70 and turning left onto highway 13 mm-hmm. and driving that 15 miles that's the longest 15 <laughs> miles on earth by the way yeah. and thinking to myself i'm not gonna last here one year and uh, 12 years a wife Three kids and a mortgage later, I finally busted out of Warrensburg, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, then you
0: go to Mizzou, and it's a—you uh, guys kind of got fed to the wolves there uh, because you inherit a team that gets sanctions and all this other stuff. You've got to kind of clean house to a certain degree. Is it? How's it? How is it being at Mizzou after going through those three years? with coach back at his alma mater because you have no connection to mizzou other than that is that correct
1: right yeah um i you know it, it was unique to say the least uh you know hindsight's 2020 20, and i look back on it now uh mizzou during the three-year period that we were on staff there was going to be bad regardless right it was just it was really a bad situation and i i look back now and there was nobody better and i you know I'm sure coach doesn't want to hear this, but there was nobody better than Kim Anderson to be in charge of Mizzou basketball during those three years, because he was going to do it the right way. Mm -hmm. Coach wasn't going to let us duct tape this thing or band aid this thing or cheat and go get, you know, coach was a, his, he's a man of principle Mm -hmm. and he was going to do it the right way. uh, And the university of Missouri meant enough to him that he wasn't going to take the easy way out. And so, we cleaned house. We ran off the kids that needed to be out of there. Uh, we followed the rules. And he knew at the end of the day by doing that, doing it that way, the chances are he probably wouldn't survive it. And but you're and
0: setting up for long-term success for the – Without
1: a doubt. And I think that what you know, Coach Martin has done since or been able to do since, make two out of four NCAA tournaments, is a direct result of the fact that Coach Anderson laid a foundation that he could build upon uh, – you know, had Coach come in and, and we tried to ba- duct tape it and band-aid it. Uh, chances are it would have taken the next guy another two, three, four years to, to lay that foundation. But instead, Coach had built it, uh, a strong foundation. We had a great group of kids in there. Uh, and then, you know, Coach Martin was able to come in and get a couple good players, and, and voila, there you go.
0: So how much, how much time do you end up spending with Coach Martin – on a day-to-day basis week, to whatever because every time that we go to a game we get to hear kind of your game plan or what mizzou's game plan is for whoever they're playing yeah so that's probably not something that coach martin just gives you a sheet of paper and says here you go this is (laughs) what we're doing (laughs) like
1: no you know coach martin's been great with me he uh you know, at first, to be honest with you, it's a little awkward, right? I mean, right. I'm, I'm walking in there, and there's a guy in the, the desk that I was just sitting at. And so it's like, <laughs> hey, you know, that that's weird. Yeah. Um, but he, he's been phenomenal with me from the very beginning and lets me come in and watch practice. You know, I stick my head in and watch five, ten minutes here and there just to scratch my basketball itch. And mm-hmm. um, So, yeah, no, he, he's been phenomenal, and, and his staff has been really good to, to deal with. Uh, I think they respect what we went through while we were there and they understand w- what it is we did to help them succeed now. Yeah. Uh, so in that regards, I think there's a, uh, a mutual respect there, uh, in terms of how much time I spend with them on a day-to-day basis, you know, it's funny, we work in the same building every single day and I rarely see them to be <laughs> honest with you, other than when I go down and watch and practice, uh, I. I'm on the road a lot. They're on the road a lot, um, and we're you know we're we're just doing two different things. But uh, the stuff that I throw out there before games, um, you know, a lot of that I make up. I'll be honest with you. I, hopefully, nobody's <laughs> listening. But... <laughs> now, mo- most of it's just common basketball sense stuff, and I, I've got a, a good enough knowledge of the coaches and teams in the SEC that uh, you know usually. I'm a fanatic of SEC network, and so yeah. I, I usually got a pretty good feel for what it takes to beat, beat people, or at least on a, in a general sense, not in the weed sense like the yeah. assistant coach has got to have. So,
0: Well, it's not like you came up with no basketball knowledge at all. So your dad's the winningest coach in the Ohio Valley Conference and at Austin P.
1: This is a true story.
0: Yeah. Um, not percentage
1: not person no but he,
0: he blows the win total out of the water well
1: here's how this works if you're somewhere long enough like 27 years <laughs> yeah. and you can win a few games a year you're going to yeah, you're going to rack up a lot guy of wins was there,
0: what i see the next guy was there 16 years and he's 140 wins behind him so
1: 9 years yeah <laughs> <laughs> so um, the, the the fact of the matter what's really impressive is they let my dad stick around for 27 <laughs> years
0: <laughs> he probably Didn't he go in – he was the AD there, too, for the last eight years that he was there? It was
1: a a 17-year stretch in the middle. Oh, okay. And, uh, yeah, so the only reason the AD didn't fire the basketball coach in those 17 years (laughs) is because the AD's (laughs) wife wouldn't let him. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But what is it like growing up in Clarksville, seeing the team, being around the team, I'm certain – and then ending up going and playing, because I know from experience that playing for family, or your dad specifically, he is harder on you, in my case at least, I'm sure it's the same. And everybody, anytime you get any playing time, everybody's like, mm coach's son did you feel that at austin p okay so
1: first of all i never got playing time so i don't know what that would feel like that would be a unique experience i was on 21
0: games started in
1: 1999 2000 not started i I may have played but i didn't start Mm -hmm. i can i never started Mm -hmm. (laughs) can you send me that link i need to copy and paste that uh no you know what um so first of all let me start by saying this. I was not good enough to play at Austin Peay, and I was well aware of that, right? I was a, uh, a D3 player at best, and, uh, you know, my, my dad came in and said, hey, look, you know, I've been coaching other people's kids my entire career. I want to be able to coach my own. And I knew going into college that I was not very good, but I knew I wanted to be a basketball coach. And so I thought, what better way to learn – than to play for my dad and to be in, involved in that, in that program. And so uh, that's kind of how that all came about. And at first, yeah, you know, I, I would walk across campus and, and I, you know, obviously had all sorts of friends in town and um, you heard the whispers of he's only on the team because of his dad. Mm-hmm. And, I would be the first one to say, yes, you are absolutely correct. I am only <laughs> on the team because, well, really because of my mom, not my dad. Uh, and so I just owned it, right? I was yeah. like, hey, look, I'm here. I, I know I'm not good enough, but I'm going to work my butt off as hard as I can. I I was determined that no one was going to work harder than me. Yeah. And so I think my, my goal was not to appease the people on the outside. Uh, my goal was to, to gain the respect of my teammates. Right. Because again, they knew I was only there because of my dad. I knew I was only there because of my dad. But I by the end of the day I wanted them to say, hey look, man, this dude deserves to be on this team. Yeah. And so I think my work ethic uh on a day to day basis won those guys over. And that's where all that really mattered to me. And then it when I did get in game on the rare occasions I did get in games, I wanted to be able to contribute and hold my own. Um, and, and be able to games
0: What's that? In those forty-two games. <laughs> yes,
1: those games. Uh, I, I just wanted to be able to hold my own, and we had this guy on the team. True story. Got him Trenton Hassel. He played in the NBA for nine years. Phenomenal player. Me and him grew up playing together our entire lives, and uh, I was the smart. I was smart enough basketball player to know, get the ball to Trenton, and then get the heck out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> and so I could do that really well. I could just dribble the ball up the floor, not turn it over, pass to Trenton, and get out of the way. And so that that was my <laughs> career.
0: Is so. Even now, is your dad one of the type of guys that can go into a diner and never has to pay for his own meal? Is Austin P are Austin P fans that big of fans where they know exactly who the basketball coach is? They,
1: you know oh yeah, I mean, Clarksville, Tennessee is a town of 150,000 people, but. It is a small town that got big on accident. It is Sedalia, Mo, at heart, man, and uh, so everybody knows everybody. Yeah, and, and Dave Luce is the, the uh, unofficial mayor of the town still to this day, uh, and I, I think he now that he's retired he can enjoy that even more. Um, I, I do want to rewind though. So when I when I first started, <laughs> you talked about how. Uh, your dad was unfair to you, coaching you. I didn't
0: say unfair. I, I just said extra hard. Extra hard. I, we'll, we'll have to replay tape. But yeah, it wasn't we, maybe we'll, yes.
1: <laughs> So the first two years, without doubt. So Trenton, going back to Trenton again. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trenton was a handful the first two years. And so I knew that every time Trenton screwed up, Trenton was very fragile at the start of things. Mm-hmm. And could, you couldn't really yell at him. Mm-hmm. And so, but my dad knew he could yell at me, yeah. and so I knew that every time Trenton made a mistake, whether he missed class or turned the ball over in practice or yeah. didn't run hard enough back on defense, I knew that all of my dad's wrath and fury was coming right at me. <laughs> <laughs> so, you I became would his, like handler. Trent, yeah. Trenton would turn the ball over, and I'd just go ahead and start walking to the baseline to run a sprint. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but i was really good at it and because of that trenton survived the first two years and we were really good
0: <laughs> so what's it what's the difference or not what's the difference but how how good is the talent in the ohio valley versus the missouri valley now ohio valley's d1 guys mm-hmm. but they're that mid major that doesn't get a lot of attention yeah. until it's the first weekend of uh, the tournament, or the last weekend of the championship yep. week. You know? So
1: you're you're going to find at a school like uh, the talent level is not that different. The depth is different. I think uh, you find oh. as compared to the Ohio Valley to to the Missouri Valley, from the Missouri Valley to say the SEC, right? Um, like you take teams like Belmont, Murray State, and you know, and, and Austin P. Year to year. Mm-hmm. Uh, can beat any team in the Missouri Valley. But top to bottom in the league, they can't, right? There's just – there's way more depth than, say, the Missouri Valley. And same thing where if you took Loyola, Chicago, right, really good, made runs in the NCAA tournament. They're good enough to beat anybody in the SEC. But as you run the gamut of the Missouri Valley, when you get down to, like, Evansville, Indiana State, and so on and so forth, no, they're not going to be able to beat SEC teams on the regular. Feels same feels thing like from the Ohio need, Valley to the Missouri Valley.
0: Feels like they need some like uh, extra nun support, like Loyola gets. They need they, more prayers, yeah. Yes, without a <laughs> doubt, holy water yeah. is what they all need. <laughs> so, but that was one thing that uh, Kim talked about. Coach Anderson talked about is that the recruiting at D two versus a D one level, and I'm sure there's some gap in between a mid major. Is D two you go to the same wells? almost all the time Mm -hmm. it's very easy to get quality players who will be able to fit in a system that all have kind of known each other you go to certain areas right and then d1 you've got to get some blue chippers if you want a real shot at something you need those top 100 players top 200 players um what what is that how do you feel about those two levels because you were coaching at both Division two and Division one mm-hmm. Is it way harder at Division one than it is Division two?
1: Yeah, it, it the recruiting uh, at the high major level is just a totally different beast. Uh, the biggest difference that I saw was just the number of people that you have to connect with uh, in order to get a kid right So let, let's say I'm recruiting, Reed engine at yep. Central Missouri. Well, I'm going to go to your high school coach. I'm going to go to your parents, uh, and maybe I'll I'll go to your your summer coach, right? Mm-hmm. And and those are the that's the circle that I need to get inside of, and I need to convince that Central Missouri is the best place for you.
0: Right.
1: Now, if I'm recruiting Reed Swerengen to go to Mizzou, mm-hmm. well, now your circle is. 10 times bigger right there you got to convince the mom and the dad you're gonna, I'm gonna ha- obviously gonna have to convince you I'm gonna have to convince your summer coach but now there's all sorts of people that that latch on you as well that may not mm. help you make your decision but they definitely can hurt my chances right meaning uh your trainer your your uncle that you haven't seen in three years that all of a sudden thinks that you're hot Mm -hmm. shot and he wants to be involved. Mm -hmm. Uh, your, your mentor, everybody's got a mentor now in college athletics. (laughs) Uh, your, uh, Matt, I mean, Matthew, who knows who's connected to these kids. And so you, you've got to be able to connect with all these people. Uh, and again, there, there may be, and that, of these people, you got to figure out who's the one that's actually got the influence to tell you where you're going. Mm-hmm. But you can't. In the meantime, you got to soothe all soothe all these other egos to make sure that they don't hurt you in the process. That sounds and extremely And so that's the juggling jug, that is the juggling act that these guys are doing. Uh, and the whole time you're trying to figure out, okay, is this guy at the end of the day just one money? <laughs> like, yeah. To be honest with you. Uh, and so like, I would spend a year recruiting a kid. And then at the end of the day, this mysterious uncle would show up on my doorstep and say, "Oh, by the way, we're going to need forty grand to make this work." Uh, and then you're like, "Really? I just spent an entire year recruiting you, and and I never had a chance." Uh, but that that's that's the job, yeah. and that's what uh, you know these guys deal with.
0: Is it more fun to be the assistant athletic director, and you mainly deal with TSF, right, Tiger Scholarship mm-hmm. Fund? Is it, do you have less stress than dealing with a bunch of 17, 18 year old kids trying to get new ones every year? I
1: haven't lost a game in four years. I'm undefeated (laughs) the last four years.
0: You just go up against your kids, just swatting everything? Is that?
1: Yeah, Yeah. no, absolutely. Uh, (laughs) Yes, to answer your question, the the stress level is less without a doubt. Um, It's just, it's different. We'll put it that way. Uh, One job's not better than the other. Uh, I love both jobs. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I'm as passionate about what I do as I – I still Mm -hmm. see myself as a basketball coach, right? Yeah. I was passionate about basketball. But the one thing I am passionate about in both jobs is University of Missouri. And I'm probably more so passionate about that now Mm -hmm. than I was as a coach. I think I – in the role I'm in now, I've got a better understanding of what this university and this athletic department means to the people in the state. Yeah. And so, in in that regard, I didn't really understand that as a coach. Mm-hmm. I we were very you're very siloed off when you're coaching. You're worried about your team, your program, your next recruit, your next game. And in this job, I get to see the big picture and what this what these programs in this university mean to everybody in the state. And that, I mean. That's really cool. That's what gets yeah. me excited now in my job that I currently have.
0: Do you ever see yourself going back to coaching?
1: Uh, never say never, but it would really have to be a very unique, special yeah. situation. Um, and I don't know what that situation would be. I, I To be honest, I'm kind of out of sight, out of mind now in the coaching world.
0: Well, the only reason I ask is because you once uh, – not really sure. I This is a direct quote, sorry. <laughs> I'm not wow. sure that I ever really considered doing much else. It was just one of those deals where I fell in love with the game of basketball, and I saw the success and the lifestyle that my dad had, and that's what I wanted to be a part of.
1: Young and stupid.
0: <laughs> I think that was. Uh, I think that's when you first, uh, you guys first came to Mizzou.
1: That was prior to my wife saying, "No, you will not get back into coaching." <laughs> <laughs>
0: It is one of those things that engulfs you, right? Because you've spent so much time, you've been around it for so long, you feel like you have this wealth of knowledge that would – it doesn't, but you feel like it would go to waste without trying to share it and be a part of it. You nailed
1: it. Yeah. No, you nailed it. Uh, I've got 20 years of just worthless basketball knowledge now (laughs) that I try to impart on my son's 12-year-old team. Not very well, I might add. (laughs) We just got our butts kicked in the Show Me State games. Oh, yikes. Uh Coaching is an addiction. Um, and it's, uh, you, you, it, it, you it's a passion. It's an addiction. Mm. Um, and 99% of the people that are in that profession make very little money. So you better love yeah. what you're doing. Um, you know, and now that I've gotten out of coaching, um, I, you know, it, it's still a great profession, but I think there's a lot better work life I've got a lot better work life balance, yeah, and uh, I see the the positives in that now, which again i I never knew any different, right and I grew up a basketball coach's son and yeah. um, working absurd amount of hours a week and being on the road constantly and not being around my family that's just all I knew yeah uh, and I had a great life, so I'm not complaining. Mm. Uh, but now I, you know, I, I get to coach my son's twelve-year-old team, and I think that's pretty cool. I, I get to make all my daughter's dance recitals. I get to uh, be home uh, most nights of the week and put my kids to bed. Which, you know, now I see I see the advantages in that, and I love every bit of it. And so it, it would be hard to not do that again.
0: So if you were talking to, so I've met some guys recently let me preface this i've met some guys recently who are just now getting into coaching basketball whether it's high level high school in their area or they're coaching some smaller d3 maybe naia kind of schools and want to keep making that leap like we've heard all the benefits of not coaching like what really is it just feeding that addiction or what what gives you the most gratitude? Is it seeing your guys go on and do great things, building them up as men or women? If you're coaching either side,
1: yeah, no, you're God, you're good. You're really good at this. Uh, yeah, the the biggest benefit now, especially now that I've been able to take a step back in coaching, is you get to see an immediate impact that you're making on lives, and that's hard to see in a lot of jobs, right? You uh, like in my job right now, you know fundraising and 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 providing revenue for the athletic department yeah i know down the road that that makes its way to the student athlete and it helps the university be successful helps the athletic department be successful it gives these kids scholarships it gives these kids opportunities but i don't get to witness Mm -hmm. that direct result right yeah whereas when you're a coach man it's every day you get to see the benefit in what you do every single day and You know, nothing is better than getting a phone call or getting on social media and seeing one of your former players that is now successful in life and having them call you up and say, hey, coach, man, thanks for all you did. I really appreciate you being on my butt and making me go to class and all that stuff. I see it now. Those are the best phone calls you ever get. Um, You had one of those
0: like an hour ago.
1: Right. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. I I had a former player call me uh, an hour ago. He's he's applying for a new job and he was just asking advice on how to go about it and um you know, see stuff like that. I mean, that you want to talk about instant gratification mm-hmm. and knowing that you made a difference in somebody's life. There's there's nothing more powerful than that. And I think that's that's why we all get into coaching. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's our love for basketball and, and the opportunity to make a difference. And so uh yeah, in that regards, I, I absolutely miss every bit of that.
0: So we talked a second ago, or you mentioned a second ago, um, being able to see how what you're doing now will affect those players um, no matter what sport they're in because you're looking at it from a whole. Um, But what I really am curious about now is tomorrow is Mizzou's NIL open house. Mm -hmm. So for those of you... what You coming? Uh, We talked about it. I don't know. I think you should. I, if I don't have to cook, I might have to. Kinda. <laughs> <laughs> um, We've
1: got a really killer PowerPoint ready for you. Oh yeah.
0: Oh, it's gonna be awesome. Yeah, sneak peek. We'll yeah. shut these cameras off and we'll just a yeah. sneak peek. Uh, but the the question really is, how much how much more beneficial? No. How am I gonna phrase this? Let me just probably read off the script. Um, You guys will be Tiger Scholarship Fund will be kind of helping through the process of these athletes with their name, image, and likeness being able to sell it. Or are you just leaving that all up to Open House, which is the software, right? What's this? Open doors. Open yeah. open doors. Yeah. Uh,
1: no. Yeah. So we're going to be involved more so in an educational standpoint than anything. Like. Like uh,
0: taxes and stuff? Or... Right, the
1: whole, whole gamut. H- how do you shape your brand? Uh, we're going to have – we've got professors from the School of Business and over on campus. They're going to come over and do sessions with our, ki- our kids, kids, young adults. Right. Uh, and basically talk about, okay, you are now your own company. How do you handle that? How do you operate? How do you manage your brand? What do you do with your taxes? Um, how does this affect my taxes? How does this affect my Pell Grant? How does this, uh, you know, how, if I if I go with Company A, how will this affect my relationship with Company B? Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole gamut, right? And so right. I think our job is on the front end of trying to prepare these kids uh, with as much education as humanly possible, um, so that they don't mis- make mistakes on the back end. Now, kids are going to make mistakes, and that's right. that's just part of life. It's part of it's a learning experience. But I think at the end of the day, we're going to see way more positive situations come out of all of this than negative situations. Um, We cannot be directly involved with any of the deals that go down. Right. Um, So let's say, uh, you know, you want to hire a a guy to say, come on down to number five. Uh, We'll give you 500 bucks, whatever. Come down for the night. Do a couple Twitter posts, um, you know, and and we'll see if that draws any extra people here. Mm -hmm. We can't be any part of that. Um,
0: you still have to go through that open doors. So I can't call you up. Uh, or is there a different... N- not if you necessarily. A, like, so yeah, if so I have a direct relation with uh, Basilak or whatever, can I just call him up? Yes. And-
1: so you, you can go through... You can set a, a company can go through open doors, set up an account. Mm-hmm. Every one of our student-athletes, ideally, right. hopefully will have an account through open doors. And it's kind of like a dating app, so to speak. So the company will message whichever student athlete they want to help promote their product, and they will say, Connor, uh, come down to number five. We'll pay you X number of dollars, uh, and we want you to make X number of posts, social media posts, or whatever it may be. Right. Then Connor will message you back and say, yeah, I'm interested. That would be great. Boom. Uh, instant connection, right? Instant instant love connection. Or the other way is is if you have a – if you, you can – reach out to Connor if you got his contact information or you can go through DM him through a social media account. Mm -hmm. And then it's Connor's responsibility then to report that. You will go, okay, yes, I'm going to number five, and he's got to report it to our compliance office and say this is what I'm doing.
0: Are you going to have some kind of gen ed program for all student athletes coming in? Because you talked about – Yes. Getting some market. So you're going to have one of those courses, basically first time you step on campus, like you guys have got to know this. Yes. Oh, that's yep. perfect. So, so
1: that whole deal will be set up. They're in the process of setting that up. Uh, but, yeah, we, we are going to educate, educate, educate. And uh, hopefully they will retain some of it. And, you know, it will save them some angst on the back end.
0: Do you think this just changes the entire – going back to recruiting, do you think this just changes the entire game – for recruiting at big programs and even probably some smaller programs but because this is what i was first thinking, i was like oh this will be perfect the scholarship uh, like the tiger scholarship fund can have a half dozen car dealers in their back pocket and be like yeah we know any good player that comes in these six guys will want to talk to them but you can't do that so mm-hmm. obviously alabama uh their qb that hasn't even played a game yet is almost at seven figures It's what was just being reported earlier today what is mizzou's do you think mizzou's fan base is going to be big enough and people are going to invest enough in this nli um structure to give mizzou another edge against uh, vanderbilt or against a south carolina or something like that
1: yeah uh great question um college athletics as a whole is going to evolve. And five years from now, we're going to look up and it's going to look nothing like it does today. right. This is maybe one of the most volatile timeframes in the history of college athletics. And uh, you can either stick your head in the sand and hide from it and pretend like it's not happening, or you can embrace it. And I think one of the exciting things for us as an athletic department is if there's anybody that's willing to evolve and change and get outside the box, it's Eli Drinkowitz. Right. And so I think it's an exciting time for us. Now, how does that evolve as it pertains to NIL and, and our donor base and the businesses within the state of Missouri? I think that remains to be seen. I, I do think we will evolve and adapt. Uh, we have no choice. Yeah. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I am confident that, that we'll look back and say, yeah, the, the Mizzou fan base, so to speak, answered the call. And uh, we, we're going to give these kids opportunities. Um, how we go about that, uh, we're still trying to figure out, uh, to be honest with you. Um, but I, I, there's no doubt in my mind that we will. So, so that's a great way of uh, not answering your question. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I didn't even realize. <clears throat> that the Scholarship Foundation wouldn't be able to be a part of it. I thought that would be the perfect means to be able to set people up. Obviously, this Open Doors hopefully is the... Yeah,
1: and so Open Doors is just a uh, an app, so to speak. They, right. There is some educational information on there, but in terms of soliciting deals, uh, that's not what they do. This is more of a... Uh, a like I said, a dating service, so to speak, a way yeah. for people to connect. Yeah. Uh, it's a way to provide more information for our student athletes. But it's not a, a, uh, an agent, so to speak, uh, that goes and finds deals for kids. Um, kids can have agents if they want. Um, agent just needs to be uh, licensed by the state of Missouri. Uh, what kind of license? Agent's license, whatever that is.
0: Hey, uh, let's mark that down for later. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so, yeah, how, how these kids get the deals and, you know, uh, where they they end up uh, advertising for marketing for, uh, you know, right now. Yeah, that that's on the kids. And, and it's on we're well, really more so, I'll be honest with you, it's on the businesses in the state of Missouri uh, to seek them out. And so that that's part of what we're doing with tomorrow is just saying, hey, here's this opportunity Uh you know if you're if you're interested and you think these kids can help your business go for it
0: so it this is basically the only way that you can theoretically help the student athletes is being able to educate those who might want to partake in athletes name image and likeness likeness right for the most part yeah so are you expecting a pretty big turnout tomorrow
1: yeah we've had we've had a great feedback um You know, just in terms of questions and and interest across the board, uh, it's been really, really good. Uh, But, yeah, tomorrow night we're expecting, you know, 100 or so people to – 100 businesses to show up. And we're going to do a – down the road, you know, we'd we'd love to do a kind of a meet-and-greet type of deal, Mm -hmm. a job fair, so to speak, uh, where businesses can come set up, our student-athletes can go through, and, you know, they can – Meet each other and find out, you know, who who works for who and whose brand are they interested in, and
0: being your own open doors, right? Yeah,
1: being your biggest your own biggest advocate. Hmm.
0: Interesting. Well, um, so as the so it keeps saying that you're the assistant athletic director at Mizzou. Um, that is correct, uh, right? Associate, associate.
1: Man, I am. Associate dyslexic. I AD keep saying. for uh, I you know I, I even I get confused I'm not even sure what my title is uh, I'm not sure if it's Associate AD for development or Associate AD for major gifts.
0: You say major gifts on your LinkedIn.
1: And then again, I don't know exactly <laughs> what that means to be an Associate AD, but it sounds super cool, yeah. super important. <laughs>
0: but so when you're working with the Tiger Scholarship Foundation. You do go to a lot of these luncheons around Missouri, um, dealing with donors of all shapes and sizes. Is there a place that I'm not going to ask you the place that you want to go the least, Because, but I think that'd be <laughs> funny. Um,
1: <laughs> I know it, that Sedalia, Missouri is the place I want to go the most. There we
0: go. I mean, obviously it was that. I was going to ask what number two was. Is, there, sure. is it probably, let me guess before i'm gonna guess it's not gonna be jefferson city it's going to be warrensburg Mm. although that one's probably tough because they all are still big ucm fans so it's probably kind of a split deal
1: yeah our donor base in warrensburg is not huge uh i'm gonna say sedalia number one and number two is uh you know whoever's going to write me the biggest check fair that is number two wherever that may be speaking of maybe which, maybe it could be your hometown listener out there
0: speaking of which your checks uh in the mailbox yeah uh Thank for you. saying today number one thanks <laughs> uh, so but is it is it just so repetitive you go talk about the same things all the time or is it because everybody's so different in all these different towns that you really enjoy it and if you don't want to say you don't enjoy it you don't have to answer that question
1: (laughs) no i i'm telling you it's my favorite part of what i do i i love jumping in my car and going everywhere in the state of missouri and what's really cool is just how passionate everybody is about mizzou uh and I just, I love hearing people's stories about, you know, how they grew up going to Mizzou games and they have been, uh, every home game for the last 20 years or their dad started, bought season tickets back in 1964 and they've had the same season tickets since then. Or, uh, you know, they remember going to games in Brewer Fieldhouse and then moving over to Hearns and then moving to Mizzou arena and, uh, you know, it's it, it's what I love about this job is just how passionate everybody is about Mizzou athletics and what it means to their life, yeah, and how it's it's formed uh, or it's shaped their their childhood into their adulthood and how they're passing it on to their kids now. And so, um, you know, I, again, I, what I love about this job is how passionate people are for the University of Missouri, and I think that's very special. And it's it's. uh it's, it's what gets me out of bed every morning and gets me excited to go to work.
0: Do you hear something very similar from other associate athletic directors? Because I'm sure you all kind of run in similar circles, um, especially when it may come to the SEC, going to certain games or whatnot. Does everybody feel as though their fan base, and you don't have to name names if they don't, but everybody feels that their fan base is extremely passionate I mean, well, is, I think
1: especially in the SEC. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, the SEC is just a different beast. You know, the hashtag, it just means more. It does just I mean more. I think there is absolutely some truth to that. Uh, and, and it's something that we're, to be quite honest, we're playing catch up on in the state of Missouri. Yeah. Our, our fan base is very passionate, but we are a very uh, seasonal fan base in that, you know what, we're going to get excited about football and football season. We'll get excited about basketball come January, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and we'll get excited about, baseball softball in the spring or whatever sports going on right yeah uh in in the sec there are uh there's three seasons there's Mm -hmm. football season yep there's recruiting season Mm -hmm. and then there's spring football season yep right and Mm -hmm. so it's a year-round 365 day a year deal Mm -hmm. Uh, and and we we are not there yet to be quite honest with you and we've we've got a ways to go but uh, you know, it it takes time, right? The SEC has been around for over a hundred years. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alabama didn't get to be Alabama overnight. No, that uh, actually was kind of bad for a while. There you go. Yeah. Um, you know, Tennessee sells. You know, if, if they have ninety thousand fans, that's a that's a small turnout, right? Yeah. They didn't get to that overnight, and so we shouldn't expect to be there in in uh, what is it nine years now that we've been in the SEC, mm-hmm. something like that. Yep. Um. So, you know, we're, we're, we're making up ground and we're making it up fast, uh, but it's going to take time.
0: So one thing that shortens that amount of time is uh, exceeding expectations.
1: W's. Yes.
0: So what are your expectations for the next two sports? seasons? So football and basketball coming up.
1: Well, uh, co- well, Coach Anderson, what do we play? 12 football games? We're going to be 12-0, and 0, <laughs> right? That's the expectation. That now, shit on me. No, yeah. <laughs> well, Coach Luce. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, Eli's done a tremendous job. We've got – he's stacked up back-to-back incredible recruiting um, halls there. You know, we've just – he's, I think, what are we, 14th in the nation right now and. Two four seven sports in, in our recruiting rankings. Yeah. Um, so I think the future is very, very bright for Mizzou football. Now, this next season, uh, you know, those those players aren't here yet, obviously, and mm-hmm. it's going to take time to get them ingrained once they do get here. But I think we've got a great nucleus coming back this year, right? You, so you've got Connor Bazelak, you know, first and foremost, you got a really darn good quarterback coming back. Yep. Uh, Kiki Chisholm's back. He decided to utilize his extra year because of COVID. Right. And I think getting him back, he's going to be a year better. Uh, you got Mookie Cooper, the wide receiver that's transferring from Ohio State that's originally yep. from East St. Louis. Yep. I mean, that dude is super fast. <laughs> like, good Lord, he's fast. So, he, you know, he gives Basilak another target to throw to. Uh, we got Tyler Beatty coming back at running back. Mm-hmm. Uh, you lose Roundtree, but you got Beatty. Yep. Um, and then we go out and our defense, we got our defensive lines very, very solid. A uh, bunch of guys coming back. And then, you know, we went out and got the two uh, cornerbacks from Tulsa, where that was the weakest part of our, our our defense, yeah. Now arguably is the strongest part of our defense, and so I think we've got some really good pieces. I think the schedule lines up well, so we've got a chance to be really successful this year. What is what is really successful? I you know.
0: Let me throw you a softball. Sure. Uh, Bavada has the Tigers over under for wins at seven. Oh, easy over. Yeah. Take that bet. Come on. <laughs> I <that'd> be easy.
1: <laughs> uh, I'd be curious to see yeah I, I don't know yeah I I think you know when you look at the schedule I I think 7 8 wins is is very doable. I put I'll, how about that? That's, that's um I'm but I'm I'm press. I'm banking on 12 and 0.
0: Yeah. Listen, you got to start 1 and 0 to get anywhere. So we'll Boom. be there. Watch out
1: Central Michigan yeah. September 4th.
0: <laughs> well, I appreciate you coming down my friend. I know that you're around the area but it's always fun to sit and talk i'm always down for this we'll have some shorties um at the house later
1: yes a shorty (laughs) or two would be phenomenal
0: (laughs) (laughs) well uh what is going on in the next few weeks few months that you've got to let everybody know like just let tell us what we can do for you
1: so uh just so everybody knows fro field it's open for business this fall. Nice. We are going to have fans, 60,000 of them to be exact.
0: So not quite full capacity, but getting close, No, right? full capacity. Is it only 60 now?
1: Yeah, we we you know we condensed a little bit when we lost, uh, when we built the south end zone. Oh, rough, yeah. Roughly 60. Okay. Uh, I think it's 62,500 if I'm oh, okay. not mistaken. I don't mistaken. know why is stuck in my head. Anyways. Yeah. Open for business. We got to sell season tickets. Yeah. Uh, that's the next thing. So we've we've got great facilities now. We got the south end zone. We've got the indoor practice facility that's going to be built starting at the end of the season. Uh, we got a great football coach. Uh, but if we want to keep this thing rolling, if we if everybody really wants to have, if we're serious about having a good football team, we've got to fill that dang stadium, and we got to fill it consistently. Um, and that that's what's going to really get these these good players to want to come here. Yeah, you know, you can have the best facilities in the world, but if they're playing to an empty stadium or half-filled stadium, uh, nobody wants that. And so, if we're serious about being in this league, and we're serious about wanting to win an SEC championship, and we're serious about wanting to one day win a national championship, there right. that we got to put butts in the in the seats, and we got to do our part as a fan base uh, in the state of Missouri. So that is number one, the most important thing we got going on right now is just trying to convince people that you know buying season tickets uh is is ultra ultra important so you know anybody listening out there in radio land please uh go buy season tickets call the tsf call um the mizzou one 800 cat paws and uh, and get your tickets it's going to be a fun ride the next five years i can tell you that
0: so we'll drop uh either a link or put the phone number in for season tickets or at least information about it so and you know, send us like an affiliate link so we get a little bit. I of, got you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. tell
1: them. <laughs> tell them Reed sent you, and you're gonna get that special discount. I got you.
0: Yeah. Gonna be three times the price now. <laughs> um, well, I really appreciate it, man. I, I'm glad that you're here. I'm I'm happy to have you as uh, a Mizzou Tiger, and happy to call you a friend. And so, thank you once again for coming on the Partners Desk and being part of episode five. M I Z Z O U.